You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, four Philadelphia 76ers got their doors blown completely off tonight in game five in South Beach. It was a combination of the storm in Twister with the tornadoes from the Wizard of Oz. And it was just a complete and utter just, just blasting. You know, 120-85 final score. Miami takes a 3-2 lead going back to Philadelphia for game six on Thursday. Uh, I, I don't feel good. I, I'm not. It's, it's not great. It's not great, Bob. It's really not. Um, but uh, we got to talk about this game. So Jazz Kang has joined me on the podcast tonight. And uh, yeah, Jazz, uh, initial thoughts after that game? <laughs> oh, I mean, I honestly was feeling it during the during the first quarter. I'm like, oh, this is getting out of hand. And then they kind of hung with them in the second, kind of hung with them in the third. But, you know, when you're when you're playing that way, you're not able to shoot the ball well. They were down by 15 going into the fourth. And I basically said it, I was going to tweet it out, but I didn't. And I was just going to say, hey, you know, you're down 15. Either go for it for the first five minutes or so and uh, try and get back in the game. If not, sit everybody. We saw Miami going like an 8-0 run right away to go up by more than 20. Yeah, that, that 7-0 point. run to start the fourth, I was just like, okay, one more shot of whiskey and I'm going to bed. No, that's yeah, it. that was I'm it. Going. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually impressed that you were able to do a podcast knowing that you're about six shots of whiskey in. So that the credit no, goes, only, only four, only four, only four. That's fine. <laughs> I, I acknowledge that I am the real MVP for doing this podcast. After, after this. <laughs> yeah, um, it was uh, a deal. It was it was it was brutal to watch. Um, I as bad as the Sixers played, you got to give Miami credit because defense oh, yeah. Heat were, were so much better in this game from the beginning till the end, and they're really giving the Sixers some problems with that full court press, which is not done to cause a turnover like we see often in the NCAA in the college ranks. They're basically doing this, we're going to full court, just not even like press totally, but just kind of have a little bit of pressure on the ball carrier. That'll slow things down when they're bringing the ball up, go back into a zone. And usually what's happening is the Sixers aren't able to get any sort of possession or their possession going until there's, you know, 12, 13 seconds left on the shot clock. So again, Doc Rivers and his staff are going to have to come up with adjustments. Don't know how confident we should feel in that. But yeah, this game didn't inspire a whole lot of good feeling for sure. The, the answer the answer to that question is not very. It's not yeah. very confident is the yeah. answer to that. Um, after game four and seeing how the Sixers won that game and learning that he was not going to be the MVP, it's not finalized, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to not believe it at this point. I expected Joel Embiid to come out straight up Super Saiyan 3 level and just control the entire ball game. That's what I was expecting. Did not happen. I don't know why, but I did you have do you have any thoughts as far as 
you know, what was going on with that? You know what? I think it's pretty obvious with the Sixers, and it has been since they made the Harden trade. It was obviously a little bit before then, before the, before they got James in the in the Simmons deal. But you know what? If they don't have their guys going like George Niang again, O of six in this game, he's been brutal in Miami. Didn't didn't hit a single three there. I believe now for the series, he's something like three of twenty or three of twenty one in on the road in the in the second round. So I mean that is is obviously not good considering he's been your most consistent bench guy, but. Looking at this, I mean, I thought Joel would come back to earth a little bit because Eric Spolster is a damn good coach. Miami obviously yeah. a one seed for a reason. So they were able to – we saw him get going in that third and fourth quarter or, or third quarter mainly uh, before he got pulled in the fourth. But in terms of having that nice end one, getting some good positioning. But I expected him to come out better. But it's the rest of the guys, right? And this has been what we've seen with the Sixers throughout the entire year is when you're getting – you know, you're looking at Tyrese Maxey's numbers, Danny Green. You got 15 points combined from Niang, Maxey, and DG. That's in what? You know, 53. That's in over an hour worth of time on the floor. Unbelievable. You're not win. Yeah, you're not going to win many games. And you look back at, at games three and four. You know, Danny had 21 in, in game three. Maxey had 21 that game, too. So that kind of covers you. And then you look at, at game four, which was a little bit closer. You look at that game. You got 11 from Danny, 18 from Maxey, 10 from Niang. That makes a big difference, and I think that what's happening in in this series, particularly on the road, where the Heat are obviously shooting a little bit better. They weren't that great from three in this game at all, but, I mean, they dominated the offensive glass once again, were able to get more offensive uh, firepower going outside of just Jimmy Butler. You see that, you know, Struess, Gabe Vincent, Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker, you can go down the line, Tyler Hero, Victor, all those guys finished in double digits. So it's whoever has their bench depth step up, seems to be winning these games. So if Philly comes out with the same type of um, offensive game plan and you're seeing George Niang struggle and Danny Green struggle back at home in game six, it's going to be lights out because I'm expecting Joel to bounce back. I'm expecting him to try and put up 30 at least in game six. But if you're not getting anything from Maxi, Green, Harris, Niang, those guys, you're going to be in trouble. One thing that Miami did defensively tonight versus games three and four the fronting of Joel Embiid has, was much, much better tonight for Miami. And I feel like that definitely affected the game plan a little bit. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And, they, they again, these are where the adjustments are going to have to be made, where especially when Miami's going man and they're taking away Joel in the post with the fronting, you got to get somebody at the four spot that you're comfortable with, either flashing high post and trying to hit Joel down low on the block, or you got to find a ways to skip that ball over and get Joel moving with his guy already behind him, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, you already have him sealed on the front. So there's going to have to be some, there's going to have to be some major adjustments considering what the Heat did in this game that they did differently over the, the past two specifically. But yeah, I mean, you look at Doc and he's talking about it post game. You know, everything he's saying is right. The Heat were much more engaged. The Sixers were slow. Philly didn't push the pace. Philly didn't do what we saw in games three and four. And if they're doing this, like, yeah, this is not going to be a series because they don't have the depth to keep up with a team like Miami. They're not going to have the depth to keep up with a team like Milwaukee or Boston if they're not getting consistent offensive performances from their big guns. So, again, I, I, off night for Joel, I, don't, I, I think that was so dumb what Charles Barkley said that his mind stuck on, you know, what happened at the, with the MVP thing. And that's what yeah. like, oh, dude, I mean, give me a friggin' break. He's hurt. He's playing with a broken face. He's playing with a torn ligament in his shooting hand on his thumb. Uh, I think the least of his concerns at this point, knowing that Jokic, is already sitting on the couch at home, is not winning that MVP. 
Also, let's not forget that Joel got whacked in the face in the second corner with a basketball. So I'm pretty sure that might have had something to do with his off night tonight, boys, fellas. I'm I'm pretty sure that might be a a, a problem. Uh, yeah, I mean that that was a, a pretty dumb, egregious non-call by by the refs there too, and, and on that little play by Dwayne Dedman. So uh, did throw him off a little bit. He didn't look great early in the game either. So I, I don't want to say that was the reason. And some guys are going to have off nights. You look at Steph Curry, he's had a couple of terrible shooting games in that series with the Warriors against the Grizzlies, but they got depth around him that helped him pick it up. And unfortunately for Joel, when he does have an off offensive night or when the other team does a particularly good job of limiting his opportunity to dominate, which we saw so often throughout the season, he's going to have to have guys like Maxi, guys like Harden, guys like Tobias Harris step up. And if they're not, then this is how bad the Sixers are going to lose against top-level teams such as the Heat. I'm not going to leave this podcast without uh, throwing James Harden a little shade. Uh, we have reverted back to uh, 2022 Harden after that little flash of MVP-level James Harden in Game 4. Uh, I thought that was an aberration, not the norm. I didn't think that's what we were going to get in Game 5. I was hoping it was, but I wasn't expecting it. Uh, James Harden has reverted back to the mean, I think, and that's just that's just not good for Game 6 and 7. Well, you look at the difference, Adio, like looking at what he did in Game 4 where he had those 31 points and made several big baskets, clutch shots, especially from deep at the three-point line, he was more aggressive. And I know that's such a cliche term, but he was actually looking for shots, looking to score. And when he's doing that early, the Sixers are going to be that much better because that opens up the playmaking for him too, right? He's still one of the best assist men in the game. But when he's sitting there and sitting back a little bit too much, and that's where, that's where Doc's going to come up with something that how are we going to be able to break that little pressure, full court pressure back into his zone, because that's giving Harden fits, given the fact that he's athletically not the same dude he was when he was winning, you know, one MVP with the Rockets. And he's not the same guy that he was when you scored over, over 30 a game. That's clear. That's a physical thing. But if they're taking that away, I, and one solution I would look at is instead of having Harden bring the ball up, let Tyrese Maxey bring the ball up. Yeah, inbound it right away, give it to him, let him charge up the floor get the offense set as quick as you can, then maybe hit Harden at the top of the key to kind of set the table. But letting Harden slowly bring that ball up, taking six or seven seconds off the shot clock, then he's trying to find his footing, you know, letting the guy space out to where they get to. Like I mentioned before, you're basically starting your set with 12, 13 seconds left on the shot clock. And that's why we're not seeing any penetration, any ball movement, or any good shot selection from the Sixers because they only have 12 seconds to make a decision. <laughs> so I, I think overall... There's got to be adjustments made. I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm still confident this is going seven. I, I think a lot of people in the beginning would before. You are okay. Yeah, I, I think I think as long I think Joel will bounce back. I, I think he'll score. Have a big game in terms of offensively. I think Doc and the coaching staff will put him into some favorable positions to to at least score early, which will force the Heat to kind of adjust their defense. But yeah, I, I'm not. Again, this was not encouraging by any means. I, I think as much as we've ragged on doc on the podcast network and Sixers fans are, are tired of him. I don't think there's much he could have done. Oh, we're not done ragging on him. We're not. Oh done. yeah, no, we'll continue to <laughs> lose game six. And yeah, we're going to, the pitchforks are going to be out, but if you doc could, rivers could be the coach of the Lakers next season. And we'll still be ragging on him for the last oh, two of years. Course, of course. I mean, Clippers fans still kind of hate doc and Lakers fans are, are acting like they're allergic to him at this point. Yeah. So I don't, uh, you know, I, if, if he does leave, he, 
his his tenure in Philly, Philly is going to be marked by his lack of adjustments and kind of his hard-headedness when it comes to certain things. But again, I, I still think the Sixers will bounce back uh, and be able to win that game at, at home on, on Thursday. But this game itself, I mean, looking at it as its own individual entity, they just did not do – they came out super flat. There was no energy. There was no effort. I don't know if they went to Miami last night decided to have a, a, an evening out in South Beach. You know what I mean? Which we know the South Beach flu does have an impact on certain NBA teams, although that would be super irresponsible. I'm not saying the guys did do that. But looking at, uh, lo- looking at it from that angle, they better come out with, with everything they got, obviously, because their season's on the line on Thursday. Just no energy and, like you were saying with Harden, like no aggression. And that's not just Harden. Like, I feel like that was the entire team. Even to start the game, you saw Joel. He was, like, trying to fight for post position, but then kind of, like, gave up, like, a couple seconds into the shot clock. And just, like, the the aggression wasn't there. The, the idea of putting, like, they had the momentum and keep stomping on the throat. It just felt like the Sixers were not, they didn't have the energy to do that tonight. Yeah, and then and again, that was from apparent from the beginning of the game, and and I think that's a mix of two things. I don't think the Sixers were ready, like in in terms of their own sports, the old sports cliche that they came out flat, and the other team, you know, put more effort in and hustled more. But yeah, I thought the Heat made some good adjustments, like you mentioned, fronting Joel, uh, making sure that they're using that full court kind of pressure on Harden to fall back into the zone and taking away anything that the Sixers were getting in terms of inside. And again, you look at this, you look at the box score, it's it's hard not to, you know, look at what the bench or the lack of production from the bench until the fourth quarter. Uh, again, George Niang, who I believe Doc said has been playing hurt, so I don't know why he was out there late in the game, but 0 of 6 from the three-point line, you compare that to what he did in games three and four, where at least, I mean, game game three, he wasn't much of a factor. They won by 20, but game four, he finished with 10 points. And again, it's that, and I said this with Paul on the pod yesterday, the Sixers don't need George Niang and Danny Green to come out and score 20 points each. They need those guys to at least be in double figures to give themselves a chance to win. So as right. long as the, the role players actually come out and do something in, in game six, I'm very confident that Joel will play well. And I think Tyrese Maxey will be pissed at himself as happy and jovial as that young man <laughs> is. I think when he comes out for game six, I think he'll want to make a statement too. One thing that I need to point out is the fact that I don't know what the heck – what gear i don't know how he found this gear but jimmy butler in the series has been nothing short of ridiculous and it's really making people go back to the whole tobias harris versus jimmy butler thing and i'm just like all right relax he's having himself a nice series but let's not forget that the sixers tried to give him that extension and he wanted to go to miami so it's like it's uh, I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. It's it's like you're 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 happy how things turned out, but it just sucks that you're that he's torching this team. 15 in game one, 22 in game two, 33 in game four, uh, and then 40 the other night. I'm just like, good lord, where where was this? Where's this Jimmy Butler been? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is he wanted to go to Miami because he could be the lead dog there, right? As much as sure. uh, Bam Adebayo is is a hell of a player, you know, you look at the rest of those guys on the on that team, like I mentioned, uh, PJ Tucker, you know what I mean? As I, as I said, Bam, but Gabe, Vincent, Max, these guys aren't players who want to take twenty five shots a game, right? They're happy taking some open looks when they can. And Jimmy wanted to be the man, and Jimmy wanted to play somewhere. And and again, I'm sure the Sixers could have made that work somehow if they if they truly wanted to in their own way, but 
Um, you know, Jimmy ultimately decided to go. He is a ridiculous scorer in terms of, especially in the half court. Uh, they're going to have to find a way to get him back to, to doing what they were doing in, in games three and four, which is, hey, if you want to let Jimmy try and score 40 on us, 30, 40 on us, by all means, go for it. But none of the rest of y'all are going to be the ones to beat us. And I think that's where they have to go back to. They were, they were trying to do that for stretches where they weren't helping off the shooters, where guys like Max Drews, guys like P.J. Tucker, guys like Gabe Vincent weren't getting these open looks that they've been getting in Miami. Those guys struggled mightily in Philly. So I think they have to go back to that. If Jimmy wants to score 40, let him score 40. Just don't let the rest of those guys beat you. And that's what we'll get into in part two of the podcast, talking about, like, adjustment suggestions because you know we're all about we're we're, this is a solutions oriented podcast i don't know if you know the history of my podcast jazz boy i'm all about solutions on this podcast so let's take a little break uh satisfy the sponsors a little bit we'll be right back it is the outside podcast and the liberty ballers network sixers lose game five uh i'm not even going to say what the score is because it was just it was just I, it's just depressing to even look at that but it's all in the description if you want to find out what it was uh we'll be right back after these words on the liberty ballers podcast network it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so we're back. Sixers drop game five, 120 to 85. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I had to, you know, bring that back and depress everybody again. But you know what? Facts are the facts. Uh, but going into game six, we're talking about adjustments. I got jazz on the podcast today. And one thing that I would like to see, we were talking about George Niang being kind of useless in this series, or he's just not shooting well. I got to yeah. say, I would, I, I, I would give those minutes to Furkan and just see what happens. Because really? you, I, would, I, you would go with Furk over, over, over Niang, just given his struggles in this series, particularly. I, I think I would, because if, if, Niang is already kind of a defensive liability and he's shooting terribly, then at least let me get somebody in there. Let me try something. Maybe Ferk will have like a nice three from four or three from five from deep game. And it kind of solves the problem of Niang not really hitting well. I, maybe it's, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe I'm completely off base, but that's the first adjustment I would make. Like I have to do something with those Niang minutes because I'm not getting anything offensively not getting anything defensively. So why am I going to put that guy on the floor? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're again, but you look at what Yang was able to do it at home, you know, particularly, again, game game three, I don't, I don't think they needed much from him because they, they just they whooped the heat uh, pretty much all that entire fourth quarter there that we knew that that was going to be a blow at them. So they didn't need much from 
from George Niang. And defensively, they were so good holding Miami to 79 points. But yeah, I'm not counting. Yeah, you look that. at this. Yeah, I mean, the guys, the guys won for 16 and in, in Miami on, on three pointers. Clearly, maybe not his gym doesn't like shooting there, doesn't like something about the depth. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm with you. I, I think come time for game six, we know how much of a deficiency the Sixers' lack of depth is, lack of scoring options off the bench. So, I mean, maybe I wouldn't probably go with Furk, to be honest with you, just because, I again, Furkan is good for one, you know, game every maybe month, month and a half that you're like, oh, yeah, maybe he can play. And then he stinks for the next 10. But It's I, been I a month, though. I would it has been I'd a month. Like you're to, right. I'd like to see the you're guy right. on the floor. You're right. He's had two good games since, since uh, middle of March. That was in March and one in April. So maybe he's due for one now in May. But um, <laughs> look, looking at that, I, honestly, a deal. I, if if I was in Doc's spot, I, to me, on on uh, obviously, you know, you're down three games to two. So again, as we've mentioned before, you lose this game, your season's over. I, I those guys, everybody's playing forty minutes. Uh, the starters, at least, are are going like Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden. All those guys are going to be playing at least 40, 41 minutes. And then you're hoping get on those treadmills now. Yeah, get and, and whatever energy they might lack, they got they have to find something for Thursday because. I, you know, I, I like what Paul Reed has done overall in terms of uh, just bringing some energy. He had some six offensive rebounds in this game, and he had a couple of nice steals, a couple of nice plays on the offensive end that, okay, at least this guy has the potential to make a couple of plays that might not count for points as important they are in, in the fourth quarter, but he's getting four or six points in the second quarter. That'll help you, but the rest of those guys, like, I'm not, I'm not touching. At this point, I'll, I'll give Niang like three or four minutes in the, in the first half, and if he's struggling – He's sitting on the bench the rest of the time. So I would shorten everything up, uh, go with maybe a seven-man rotation, including Paul Reed, get Shake Milton out there to give Maxi Harden, these guys, a bit of a spell. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have much confidence in, in the reserves. They haven't earned it. They haven't played well enough throughout the entire season that you could say maybe they'll bounce back. So if I'm Doc, I'm rolling with the guys who got me here and, and just letting them go for 40 minutes. Because if they do win game six, at the very least, they got Friday, Saturday off before game seven. I mean, I, it's Furka Corporal. I'm not out here saying Isaiah Joe should get those minutes. I mean, come on, give me some, give me a little bit of a break. Furk is terrible. Furk, <laughs> what, is, what does Furk actually do that you would think that he's going to go in there against Jimmy Butler and Gabe Vincent and these guys and be able to give you any sort of quality minutes? I just, I haven't seen it. He's played in the postseason, you know, at sparingly at times. He didn't get to play at all in in Game Four. Does he have the potential to maybe hit a one or two threes? quickly and you can get him out. Sure he does. But again, I'm not relying on that down three games to two when you have an MVP candidate. And I think in all of our opinions, uh, in terms of the guys who, who cover the cover the squad for us at Liberty Ballers, uh, Joel Embiid is the MVP, was the MVP this year. So you got the MVP, the rightful MVP, in my opinion, on, on your roster. You got James Harden. Again, haven't, hasn't been consistent, not nearly enough as good of a scorer, but he's still a very, very good NBA player. And you have Tyrese Maxey. So Again, you have to go with those guys considering that you don't have a consistent option off the bench that's going to be able to come in and score 10 points, 12 points, and, and be able to change a series for you. Like, if the, if the Sixers had somebody like Tyler Hero on their team, they would be friggin' awesome. They would have won the one seed. Oh, if, if only. If only. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I'm just saying something. Like, even like a Lou Williams type guy. You know, it's just somebody oh, who, could, who could score. You know what I mean? Or, or like a, a volume score, and they just haven't had that. So I'm not trusting any of the bench guys from Niang. I don't know if I'm trusting Danny Green at home. At this point, I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? Go out, ball, play, play your games, and, and we're going to go 40 minutes in game six. And if we get through game six, be prepared to play 45 in game seven on Sunday. 
All right, I'm out here. I'm out here alone on Furcon Corkmaz Island. That's fine. Whatever. More, more room, more room and coconuts for me. Fine. Yeah, no I, problem. I think you'll have nobody competing with you there for coconuts, mai tais, uh, fish, whatever you're looking for on that island with, with on the Furcon Corkmaz Island. Sure. I don't think anybody gives two shits about that. Zio. No problem. <laughs> uh, next, next adjustment and kind of piggybacking on something you said in the first part of the podcast. The whole like walking it up the floor idea. I, I'm sorry, but that that needs to either go away or it can't be the norm. I think the inbounding to Maxi needs to be the primary uh, option to get the ball across half court because he can push. And if he sees an opening, take it. If not, then you have the secondary break or setting up the half court offense with 17 or 18 seconds left to go in the shot clock as opposed to like 12 or 13. I think that's, I think that's an adjustment that absolutely needs to happen. Yeah. And they've been so much, they've been so much better when they're getting out and running They're they're, they're getting out and getting uh, easy looks and, and, and shots sooner in, in the, in the shot clock and they're getting things up. So I, I think that's hugely important when they've controlled the fast break points, they've won a lot of their games, especially during the playoffs. We saw that in the Raptors series, three out of the four times the Sixers won they had more fast break points. You saw that in, in game uh, game three where the Sixers controlled the pace and were able to score in transition, which enabled to them to get more points. And I think that has been the struggle throughout the year in terms of against the very good teams is they have a lack of offense. And one way to correct that is give the ball to the guy who might be the fastest player in the NBA in terms of Tyrese Maxey. And He's say, certainly the fastest player in this series. Oh, absolutely. And then and, and you give him the – he, again, he had just had an off-shooting night Everything was coming up short. I don't know if he was tired. I don't know if, uh, and I'm not going to credit the Heat with, with playing such great defense on Maxi for the fact that he went two for 10 because he had a lot of good looks, but he just wasn't able to make them. So I think at this point, you have to try and get the ball in his hands, get him pushing the ball up the court, and, and hopefully that leads to some easier looks for the entire offense, not just Joel Embiid. Now, th- this is some, some deep X's and O's type conversation, but if they're going to do these half-court sets... This is what I want to see, and it's it's the horns offense. I want to see Harden at the top of the key, flanked by Joel and Tobias on the the tops of the elbows, like right there. Pick your poison. Take either screen you want. Pick and pop with Tobias. Pick and roll with Embiid. Pick and pop with Embiid. I feel like between that little triangle there, I I, I know triangle offense. I apologize for those of you that get like PTSD at even the <laughs> thought of it, but I feel like that set would create so many offensive wrinkles. You have Danny Green sitting in the corner, just doing his thing, just waiting for the open kick out. And then Maxi or anybody, it could be Maxi running that horn set or Harden running that horn set. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. I think that's, that, that's a deeper cut X's and O's adjustment, but I, I, I feel like a horn set would just blast this Miami zone when they employ it. Yeah, and, and I, I'm with you. I think they have to look at at just changing something, especially when the Heat are in that zone. And it's not like this vaunted zone where, yeah, Bam Adebayo is, is a very good defensive player, but it's the way that the Heat don't have to move. You're not making any of those guys work. Exactly. On the defensive end in the zone. And I'm with you. Either you're sending um, the cutters through the, the, the high post, the, the, the pick and pop, or like I mentioned, looking at trying to get some ball reversals or skip passes. And it's a little bit harder in the NBA than it is in, in college. But if you're able to get a skip pass and get the defense shifting over, that's going to open up some lanes for these guys. Because like you said, if you're going against a zone and you're not really getting into your set 
until there's 12 or 13 seconds left on the shot clock, it's going to be difficult to score. And, and we've seen how much Philly has struggled, especially on the road in this series, and at times against Toronto as well, where they're going to try and mitigate your best weapon, which is Joel Embiid. We, we all know that. That's no secret. Um, the Heat were game planning for that from the moment we knew he was coming back from game three. But now what the Sixers have to do and what Doc, again, going back to what we're laughing about at the top of the podcast, which yeah. is that he's not very, we're not very confident that he's going to make the right moves, but he better try something or his ass is going to be sitting on the sideline come Friday and people are going to be questioning how you didn't at least make a conference finals with, if not the, one of the best players in the league on your roster. I just want Sam Cassell to come out in game six and just be like, Doc, sit your ass on the bench. I'm running the offense tonight, okay? I'm sick and tired of this. This is nonsense. I can't take this anymore. Well, maybe they can they can pull a thing where, and I'm not saying I want him to get it just because we know the seriousness of it, but maybe there's somebody just gives like a fake positive test for Doc Rivers for the for the COVID stuff. And then oh, that'd be great. Healthy, the safety protocols. And then we get Sam Cassell or Dave Yeager running the show. So uh, maybe that could happen. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath for that. But that's one way to try and get Doc out for game six. <laughs> uh, defensively, I don't know if there really needs to be any adjustment uh, on aside from just more energy and more effort. I Just that combined with the, hey, if Jimmy's going to score 40 and beat us, fine, whatever. The, the hat's off to him. But Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, uh, Gabe Vincent, yeah, you go try and beat us with Gabe Vincent. You go right ahead. Anybody... Jimmy can do whatever he wants, but Gabe Vincent, you're not getting anything. Tyler Hero, you're not getting anything. Uh, Bam, you're not getting anything. P.J. Tucker, shoot all the corner threes you want. Shoot them until your arms fall off. That is fine, my guy. But, uh, yeah, outside of that, I don't know if I would make any real adjustments defensively. What do you think? Yeah, like I said, I think they got to stay at home more on on the shooters. I I think you look at the game Max Drews had – who again has had a very good season considering, you know, and, and uh, well on his way to a long career considering where he came from. That's a pretty damn good accomplishment for him. But like you mentioned, um, can't let that guy take, take 10 three pointers and seven of them being open. You know what I mean? And I think that's where they have to get to where stay at home, let Joel kind of patrol the, the, the middle of the paint and, and be the rim protector that he is. And, and, you know, if Butler's wants to come in there and, and score 30. Okay. Like I said, you're going to be able to deal with that, but you don't want to have guys like, Struce getting towards 20 points, Gabe Vincent getting towards 20 points, because you're not going to, you're not going to be able to beat the heat because you don't have the depth to keep up with that. So I, I think that's what I'd look at doing, try and get back to what they were doing a lot of in Philly in terms of let's not leave the shooters that not get too you know, happy feet on the defensive end and getting out in the rotations uh, too slowly that, So what ends up happening is that one extra pass gets an open shooter right there in the corner, like a PJ Tucker, like a Matt Struce from the wing. So uh, again, I, I think it's a, you don't want I mean, you don't want Butler to score 60. I'm not saying you know that he's going to, but if you're okay with him scoring 30, you just don't want him being able to set everybody else up for open shots. So I think not overplaying that, letting Joel kind of do what he does and set the tone defensively in the paint, and then just making sure those guys aren't combining for 60, 70 points, because if they do, the Sixers are going to have a tough time beating the Heat. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Game six is on Thursday and up until then and including and after Liberty Ballers is your source for all the news, all the updates, all the podcasts, all the columns, all the everything, all the thoughts. Um, Jazz, always nice talking to you. And ho- hopefully we have some 
some, some better days ahead and it, what it, it'd be nice you know we get like a a, a faux covid scare from doc but i i, <laughs> I, I guess we'll, we'll take what we can get uh what what do you got planned coming up on the site this week yeah we got uh, espn's malika andrews coming on the podcast nice uh, gonna be talking talking about this series obviously the sixers and the heat also gonna get into some other nba stuff but you know what? I think for you, Adil, after watching that game, going through the emotional letdown, I think you deserve maybe three or four more shots of that whiskey. Relax. No, I'm, I'm good. I got, I got to do, I got to do things in the morning. I can't do that. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. We'll be back for Game Six. And like I said, I'm still confident that this one's going seven. Jazz and the Sixers just, just enabling my alcoholism. Like, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much for that. Uh, Jazz, always good talking to you, and uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon, my friend. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today